How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Keep It Kayfabe podcast, where we talk about all things MMA and pro wrestling. Today, we have a new Universal Champion to talk about. Kevin Owens has won the Universal Championship. It was vacant. He won it in a fatal four-way match on Raw. He defeated Big Cass, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. It wasn't clean, though. We have to talk about that. Um, Triple H actually came out of the crowd, and he laid a pedigree on Roman Reigns, which got thunderous, thunderous applause. Uh, Seth Rollins went on to pin Roman Reigns, and then Triple H turned on uh, Rollins, and he pedigreed him, and here we are. We have Kevin Owens as our new Universal Champion. I'm very, very happy for him. Everyone's been watching him since his Ring of Honor days, and from people like Jim Cornette saying he would never work out in this big company and that no one would believe a, a wrestler in a t-shirt and shorts could be a legitimate contender for the title. Well, Kevin Owens proved that wrong, and I believe he's here to stay. I think this is going to be like the new two-man power trip with Triple H, and I really hope they book him as a strong champion. They already have had too many chicken shit type heels that run away and never win clean, so I think if, uh, if Kevin Owens was a dominant heel champion, that would be the best bet for success here, and Again, I'm really glad Kevin Owens won the title, and hopefully he feuds with Sami Zayn for that title. And uh, I hope on Raw he comes out, and the first thing he says is, I won this title before Sami Zayn. That would just that would just put him over the top as a heel. Brock Lesnar has used up all of his WWE dates for the rest of the year, it's believed. So he wasn't on Raw. Originally, he was advertised, uh, I believe, throughout September for some house shows and some raw appearances, but since Vince used up all his dates earlier, he's going to be sitting out till about the Royal Rumble. So uh, instead of that, we had Paul Heyman come out and cut a promo in which he apologized to Stephanie McMahon to set up a probable future match there. I really hope not. I don't think Triple H should be anywhere near the wrestling ring. And if he is, it should be used to put somebody over, not a well-established star like Brock Lesnar because he clearly doesn't need that star power. And, you know, Triple H... If anything, I think he should have a retirement match against Randy Orton. He should have a match against maybe Seth Rollins. And I believe that's it. I believe that's all he can do. I mean, if he if he wrestles maybe with Kevin Owens or something like that, I, I think that could work. Um, it's worth noting that Triple H and Brock Lesnar do not need to pass any drug tests because they are, they are part-timers. And they do not need to pass a wellness policy evaluation like the talent do. Vince McMahon is also under the uh, performer's contract. He is the CEO, obviously, but he is under a uh, performer's contract that is part-time, so he also does not need to pass any kind of drug testing. So in the recent weeks, we've had Paige, Alberto Del Rio, and Ava Marie, and prior to that, um, Roman Reigns, suspended for uh, drug use. The substances were not revealed. It's not their policy to reveal them. And while it appears Ava Marie will come back from her suspension, and Roman Reigns has already come back from his suspension, Alberto Del Rio is done with the company uh, because when he first came back, he was promised a babyface push with Paul Heyman as his manager. Uh, Things never went that way. He got paired up with Dutch Mantel instead. He's Zeb Coulter in WWE, for those of you who don't know. And he ended up becoming a a moderately successful heel, but not really, and he started to have a mini face turn where he would spin his finger and uh, he would whistle and the crowd would go nuts, but that fizzled out, and after the League of Nations broke up, he never never went anywhere, and uh, it was reported that he was told he would be able to squash AJ Styles at WrestleMania if he stayed with the company. Um, I don't know how true that is, 
But I wish Del Rio luck, and uh, he's probably done with the WWE from here on out, seeing how this was his second run with the company and uh, his second split that didn't go well. Sasha Banks, who just recently lost the title to Charlotte, actually has a lower back injury. It's not going to require surgery, and she is scheduled to face Charlotte at a future Raw exclusive brand pay-per-view. Uh, there's no word yet on when that will take place, but here's the wish and Sasha Banks a speedy recovery. A lot of wrestlers have said that she needs to slow herself down in the ring because almost every match she comes up hurt, she comes up holding her back, she comes up holding her neck, and uh, she has a lot of near botches, so if she wants to be a mainstay in the company, she really needs to tone it down, botch herself, protect herself, and uh, she might need to adopt a less risky moveset. And the last little bit about Raw here is the club. The club has been on a... Well, losing streak. They haven't won a match, and I don't really remember a time they won a match in WWE, to be honest with you. Um, ever since they came over from New Japan, they were supposed to get a push with AJ Styles, and now that Styles is on SmackDown, I'm not really sure where that's going to go. But this past Monday, they were in a tag match with Dana Brooke, and they faced Bayley and The New Day, which they lost to. And Bailey and the New Day are super over. Speaking of the New Day, they just put in a bid to host Saturday Night Live, so stay tuned for that. That would be great. Don't you dare be sour. On SmackDown, we have a ongoing feud between Daniel Bryan and The Miz, which is apparently axed because fans were getting too excited for it. Originally on SmackDown, it was announced that Daniel Bryan would confront The Miz over their confrontation last week on Talking Smack. That, uh, you know, walking or talking dead like segment that airs after SmackDown that they're trying to capitalize on with the social media and all the buzz and everything. Well, The Miz and Bryan had a segment where pretty much Daniel Bryan called The Miz out for his work style and called it pretty much soft, SAWFT. And Miz didn't take too kindly to that. And it was pretty much a worked shoot promo where Miz was telling Bryan if he had balls, he'd go and leave to go wrestle at the bingo halls and all that. Well, yeah, that got fans too excited because, as we all know, Daniel Bryan isn't cleared to wrestle. If he could wrestle, he would. WWE won't let him leave. He's stuck in his contract. Um, so his contract is ticking down now because he is the general manager. So someday he might be able to leave and actually uh, go wrestle on the indies and probably, like he said, main event the Tokyo Dome show for New Japan because he's that big of a star. He wouldn't just you know, go to gymnasiums for 200 people around the country. And, uh, yeah, people got so excited and so worked up about this that they had to pull the segment because they felt if they built up to a match between Daniel Bryan and The Miz and they didn't deliver, SmackDown might lose more ratings than they've gained in the past few weeks, especially because Daniel Bryan is so heavily tied to SmackDown now that he's the general manager. So instead they had him uh, squash the beef with... Shane McMahon in the beginning of the show, and then he was never heard from again until the Talking talking Smack segment after, which he never really continued the feud. He actually said they weren't allowed to be on camera together, and that's probably a kayfabe thing, too, to play up the angle. But on SmackDown, we have to look forward to the women's championship match at the pay-per-view. Um, it's going to be a six-pack challenge, so probably all six people are going to be in the ring or whatnot. You know, they're going to work that out some way. They always have a different variation of rules every time they do a six-man match or a championship scramble or any match of that type, so we have to wait and see what the actual rules are going to be. And there's also a tag team tournament that's going on right now, and it's actually helping get uh, Heath Slater over. He's actually one of the most over people in the company right now. Can't really believe I'm saying that, but he actually is super over. He had a segment on SmackDown where he was in his trailer and talking about how his kids had to pick up cans and, 
you know, just a great segment. Check that out if you missed it. Him and Rhino are great together, and uh, can't wait to see where that goes. Although I do believe the American Alpha are going to be the ones to win the tag team championship, and uh, I don't, I don't think that Heath Slater and Rhino are going to continue as a tag team for very long. And last but not least, uh, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles are involved in a WWE title feud, and. Styles is doing some of the best heel work of his career, and if AJ Styles can win the WWE Championship, that would be the true signal for change in this new era of the WWE. And now, on to MMA, which we have a lot to talk about today. So just a few notes here. Rashad Evans is going to drop down to 185 pounds. He, this is the first time he's done that in his career. He fought at heavyweight in 205, but now he's finally going to drop down and see if he can make one last run at the 185 title. Damian Maya submitted Carlos Condit this past weekend. Um, he submitted him via rear naked choke in the first two minutes and pretty much ended Carlos Condit's career. Condit just went five rounds with Robbie Lawler, and uh, after some retirement talks, he decided to come back and make a run at the title, and now he lost. So he said he would hate to hang it up on a loss, but he's taken so much punishment, he's not sure if this is where he needs to be. So I agree with his decision if he doesn't feel like he can fight, although I'd love to see him come back. And... Um, yeah, Damian Maia is the real deal. He has been for a while. The only real problem he's had is when he's tried to strike with uh, elite strikers. And, I mean, that's just a problem in MMA in general where every time someone gets super good at one aspect of the game, they try to evolve, and then it doesn't always work out for them. It happened with Fabrizio Verdum where a guy's super elite on the ground, and then they try to work on their striking. And Damian Maia also did the same thing, and he got his ass handed to him a few times. But he's learned from that. He's back to his grappling roots, and he looks really good at 170. And George St. Pierre even said that he'd be one of the guys that he'd be willing to face because uh, he could elevate him. On that same card, Anthony Pettis made his featherweight debut against Charles Oliveira, and he won via guillotine. And Pettis actually he looked really good in the first round he actually looked really really good in the first round second and third round he didn't have a gas tank and uh, he's lucky to come away with the win um if it went to the judge's decision i don't really know if he would have won the fight even though he won the first round in a dominant fashion the next two were pretty close and uh, he almost caught himself in a few submissions and actually he had to put himself in a vulnerable position to end up getting the guillotine um but he did what he had to do and he's calling for a Big fight at 145. Um, he'd like to fight Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, or Conor McGregor, or Jose Aldo even. Um, but I'm not really sure which one of those he's going to get. But uh, he got a win here, and as a former champion, he should have a pretty easy route to a title shot. So we'll see. This show actually did awful ratings. The past two events, one headlined by Holly Holm and Valentina Shevchenko, and the other one headlined by Glover Teixeira and Rashad Evans. Those did record numbers. Now, I'm not really sure if it was the build-up for this card, if it was just because it happened after McGregor-Diaz and people were all MMA'd out, but um, those aren't good numbers. And Carlos Condit and Damian Maia should have drawn a pretty decent following, especially because Anthony Pettis, who's a former champion, is fighting in the uh, co-main event, and it drew a 1.2 rating with under 2 million viewers. That's a prime time uh, Fox card on Saturday night. And that, you know, they should have no problem drawing two and a half million every single time out, even with no names. Just a really poor number there from the UFC, and I blame them for not promoting the card well. And there might be some flyweights in a bit of trouble. That's because this season of The Ultimate Fighter, which was taped a month or two ago, 
Um, just started airing last night with the winner getting a title shot against Demetrius Johnson at the end of the year. So this means that pretty much every 125-pound fighter that's not currently booked in a fight had to go compete in the Ultimate Fighter, and the winner is getting a title shot. Now this means former contenders, people that would have otherwise gotten the title shot, uh, people that have fought Demetrius Johnson, teammates of Demetrius Johnson, pretty much, as someone put it on Reddit, all these little players are forming a big raid group to go take out the raid boss, which is Demetrius Johnson. Now, the Ultimate Fighter winner has been revealed early before, but it was revealed on Reddit the other day that a fighter actually violated his non-disclosure agreement with the UFC and revealed that the winner... Well, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to tell you who the winner is. I know who it is, um, but it's, it's just not good news. And I, I wouldn't go... I mean, you can go look it up if you want to, obviously. But be very careful. Do not post it anywhere because the UFC could come after you for revealing the winner. Because if everyone knows who the winner is, ratings go down, the UFC gets mad, blah, blah, blah. So you could feel free to go check out who it is if you want. Um, the new season is airing. I believe it airs on Wednesday nights. And yeah, the winner gets a title shot. It's going to be a great season. It's featuring flyweights. But one of those is probably going to be facing some legal action in the very near future. And now we have to talk about my man, George St. Pierre. I've been calling for George St. Pierre to come back and win his title for a few years now. He hasn't fought since he beat Johnny Hendricks in a five-round decision to retain his title and then walk away from the sport. Um, he still didn't reveal completely why he walked away. He said on UFC Tonight that there were some issues that he had taken care of. The situation is not the same. He is hungry. He is ready to come back and fight. He doesn't just want single fights, although he does want big money fights. And he's not stupid. He said he's not stupid. He will not be bullied into signing a contract. But he does want to make another run at the welterweight title. He would like to be put in there against Tyrone Woodley. And he doesn't agree with Dana White's statements that he's not hungry and not willing to fight. Because, as he stated last night, he is hungry, he wants to get in there, and he said within one minute, everyone will know how hungry he is. Now, he does have an old contract that was in place before the Reebok deal. So the big holdup, I think, now, and he said his terms, George said he has laid his terms out to the UFC and he believes they are very fair. The issue now is that his, yeah, since his contract was so old... He would lose out on a whole bunch of sponsorship money since he can't get sponsorship, even though Reebok would pay him like twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand, whatever the hell it is. It's nothing like the probable millions he would make if he were to, you know, have open sponsorship. So I think that's the last holdup. But he probably will return at UFC 206. He was hinting at that last night. He might face Tyrone Woodley for the welterweight title. So look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for my man George to come back, and I can't wait to show you guys what he can do. And now the very last segment of the show, we have to talk about MMA in New York. So yesterday, the New York State Athletic Commission uh, announced during a hearing that promoters would have to insure each fighter for coverage up to $50,000 uh, per fighter, per card. So if there's, you know, 26 fighters on the card, that's 26 times you have to make sure that uh, those fighters have the proper policies in place. In addition to that, each fighter needs to have a $1 million brain insurance policy in the event that a significant brain injury happens. Now, this effectively kills boxing and MMA in the state of New York until uh, the New York State Athletic Commission can sort this out. 
That's because little promotions aren't going to be able to pay this overhead cost because, you know, even though it's only going to be about $1,000 per fighter, these small organizations can't handle that. They don't make that much money in the live gates as it is. They have to pay all these fines. They have to make sure other fighters have their medicals, and now they have to have this insurance, which is good. Fighters should have insurance. They should be insured. I'm not even saying this million-dollar you know, requirement is bad. However, these small promoters and every man's fighter, like like Joe Schmo from you know high school that's fighting, probably won't be able to fight in New York now. The professionals won't have a problem. The UFC and Bellator have enough money where they're going to be able to pay whatever it takes to go to Madison Square Garden and Yankee Stadium, and uh, you know even Albany, Times Union Center, stuff like that. But this pretty much means that the UFC is only going to hold two or three events in New York a year. Local promotions and uh, and even medium-sized boxing promotions are going to make their way out of the state because they're just not able to keep up with the cost. I actually wrote a story covering all of this in great detail. I'm going to link that at the bottom, so if you want, check that out, and I'd appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening to the Keep It Kayfabe podcast where we talk about all things pro wrestling and MMA, and have a great day.